the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mysteries of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, my online intuition development program for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. Registration for the Numinous School only happens once a year in the spring. I'll tell you more about that after the interview. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I'm connecting with Elizabeth Brown. Elizabeth is a master dowser and author of Dowsing, the Ultimate Guide for the 21st Century. Her storied career includes the co-founding and running of a geopathic stress consultancy. She's also studied with two former presidents of the British Society of Dowsers and is trained in remote viewing and more. Elizabeth uses dowsing to help people get to the root of their health troubles. Since I use a pendulum probably daily for work and gardening and prioritizing tasks, I was absolutely over the moon when Elizabeth, one of the world's foremost authorities on the topic, accepted my invitation to be on the show. I connected with Elizabeth online. She was at home in Monaco. So Elizabeth, what identities do you lead with? Basically, I'm a dowser, a professional dowser. Um, and I've been dowsing for 30 years, actually, this year. Uh, I was trained in America with, uh, with someone in, in Virginia, at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains, in fact. And um, when I came, I, I came back to the UK and uh, I trained with the British Society of Dowsers, originally as a, as a water dowser, because, because you do, but very quickly it was obvious that wasn't where my interest lied. Um, and we, I went on to run a geopathic stress and electromagnetic environmental energies consultancy. And then very quickly that led into um, what I do today. And it was, it was really prompted by clients and clients that would say, well, did, did this geopathic stress or did this electromagnetic pollution, did this cause my cancer or did this cause this? Or just, and everybody wants to know the causes. And so I, I pioneered something called causative diagnosis, which is what I do, I do today. And that's my main, my main everything, really. <laughs> my, my obsession <laughs> and, my, and my career. Thank you. Um, I already have questions just about some of the languages you've used, but I I think if we give you a bit more time to just explain, let's let's begin with some of the prevailing myths about dowsing. So immediately you've you've said what you've said. Probably some of us are like, oh, she's a water witch, and other people are going, (laughs) what is geopathic stress? So let's start with some of the myths of dowsing, and then can you please explain to us what it actually is and what the science has found dowsing is. Okay. In the simplest terms, dowsing is just a means of finding out. It's actually connecting ourselves to the field of information. And, and I think we, I, I think, I believe we do that on two different levels. We do it on an electromagnetic level and we do it also on a quantum level. So it's, it's really, so the traditional 
image of dowsing is an old man with a, with a, with a forked stick walking along and, and searching for underground water. But of course, it can be used for so, so much more, more than that and has been actually over, over the centuries. So um, finding archaeological remains, finding water, um, long history with, with health, um, and um, finding uh, underground uh, underground anything, whether it's the army finding underground buried unexploded bombs and mines, to finding precious metals and minerals, tin, diamonds, gold. Um, so it's a means of finding out, or it's a means of finding uh, answers to anything that's hidden from the human perceptual, from the human, the conscious eye or the conscious senses so you can also find out information it doesn't have to be something that's that's solid and concrete um, what does science say um, as science says um, there's no proof and no evidence and it's not possible in most of the world apart from Russia who actually run university courses on it so they must believe in it or believe that it works mm -hmm. and in fact in fact people who use it like governments and and uh, farmers and water companies and the army in fact all all the forces all the armed forces um, who use dowsers or employ dowsers and particularly utility companies like water companies and gas electricity uh, telephone companies all know it works but they'll just they they can't really admit that they it's very sad they can't admit that they use it because of public condemnation we had a case recently in the UK um, uh, some water, woman complained that a, water, that a dowser was was seen waving around sticks in somebody and when she uh, when she discovered it in a little bit more Search, she found that nearly every water utility company in the UK actually had dowsers on their payroll and she made a whole fuss about it being um this is shareholders money and a terrible investment and it was it was witchcraft and and completely so you've got these two uh, very diverse opinions um mm -hmm. so the truth really isn't out there yet not properly <laughs> well I really appreciated your book dowsing that that's the title uh and and partially because you did such great research not only on the history but also on the studies that have been conducted and and what science is at least trying to find out um you said it's both quantum and electromagnetic in your book mm -hmm. site studies of you know different organizations and places that are trying to um bring to light how this could be i was particularly interested though in uh one of the uh researchers uh dr harvalik i don't know if i'm saying that right but he harvalik yeah harvalik right he mm -hmm. spoke about many tests where uh they were trying to figure out how is this being registered in the physical body could you talk a little bit about that about some of um what he suspects are his theories I can, but but I actually think it's um, his work. His research wasn't out, it was not out of date. What he discovered was relevant to the time. But we know so much more about the human body. Um, we we know, for example, that every single cell not only has receptor sites, but every single cell has little um, electromagnetic radio antennas. 
And I firmly believe that, that this is all that, that the whole body is in fact the dowsing instrument. It's it's a whole body experience. It's not um, just through one physical part of the body. It's a whole body experience because in essence at grand state, we're all an energy field. Uh, everything is energy. There is no solid matter. It's just all held together by consciousness. And so it, we're an energy field and it's actually communication through energy field. And that's how we, we, we tap into, if you like, the, the whole, the field, the um, what Lynn McTaggart would call the field or the Akashic field or infinite consciousness or the superconscious mind or any of those or any of that terminology. Mm-hmm. Similar to Rupert Sheldrake and his work on absolutely. the genetic fields. And that's absolutely, yeah. Um, Rupert Sheldrake does fantastic stuff on. And in fact, I've met Rupert. We had a discussion about this, but but yes, absolutely. Chapping into well, he talks about morphic fields, but this is more um, directly to the 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 information field. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Akashic uh, field. Also, many people, I think, listening probably have heard, especially if they're in kind of like New Age or like Instagram witch kind of circles, <laughs> they've heard of the Akashic records. But you also cite in your book an interesting uh, link with uh, Dr. Irvin Laszlo about the Akashic records. Can you can you define that? Because I think a lot of people, they hear what that is. Um, but But how is it relating to what you're describing? Um, well, he's a quantum uh, quantum theorist, quantum physicist, and um, what the reason it was called an A field was after the traditional um, idea of of the Akashic record or the Akashic field, and that's why it was he's in in honor of that really because but this is where science and spirituality actually came together the, the whole idea of there is um a, a record of everything that has ever happened um the a field because the information field is is the field where everything is stored everything everything is um preserved and everything actually can also be um retrieved from from the akashic field or the a field or the information field really it's all the same thing it's just different names for the same thing but we can and and in fact um uh dr david hawkins said the same thing it's like we're a computer terminal attached to a giant database and this is actually what dowsing is is actually connecting in for our our individual computer terminals and tapping into this giant database of information that can be retrieved and really again that's what dowsing is Mm. you mentioned earlier there there is a difference between uh how the russian uh, um, authorities are approaching dowsing as a as a trade, really, as opposed to almost anywhere else in the world. Though, of course, the British Society of Dowsers is a very well established um, mm-hmm. association. But still, there's the skepticism and um, secrecy, and um, you know, a bit of cover up with with authorities. I think in North America and a lot of Europe. In your book, you, you talk about some of the differences. Can, can you just explain a little bit more about how the Russians are doing it a little bit differently? I, I found it fascinating to see that they, their approach just kind of flipped that on its, on its head. How are they different? I think it's because there's a very, very long tradition, although you could argue that that exists in the United States as well with the indigenous tribes, who, and in fact, indigenous tribes all around the world use 
dowsing because it was a means of survival. And, and so you've got um, the history of the Aboriginal tribes in, in Australia and the Maoris in New Zealand and the, um, the Bedouin in the Middle East. They all use dowsing um, as a means of survival, a means of finding water, as a means of finding food. And um, that also existed in Russia and, and Eastern Europe. Very, very long history of people using dowsing. And so it was part of their culture. It was really part of their culture. And I met a, a Russian amazing man called Dr. Konstantin Korotkov, who is an inventor. And he's also at St. Petersburg University as a professor. And he has teams of scientists that they work on all sorts of things. And um, he said, oh yeah, all my, all my team used dowsing. We, we use dowsing first for, to find the information and then we confirm it by using machines. So it's very much, it's very accepted throughout Russia and again used for um, utility companies and, and even road building for, for um, building roads where there aren't any spots with geopathic stress or black energies somewhere. And um, and so much in their culture that you can actually take a university degree in dowsing, mm. which I think is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I really do. Yeah, well, and it's, it, it, I think, helps kind of decenter a bit of a Western European or like North American um, uh, worldview. It's like, guess what? Not everybody feels skeptical about this. <laughs> There's a kind well, of common but, sense to it. But there's the, there's the dichotomy, there's the hypocrisy, because the CIA have used dowsers for years. And if you look at, you can Google um, Paul H. Smith, who worked for the CIA, he was also a remote viewer. He also teaches dowsing, and he confirms that the, the CIA and other intelligence agencies use dowsing to find out information. And he mm, sort of differentiated between the two, but also said one supports the other, because if you're remote viewing, you're really, you're extending consciousness and you're um, pulling together uh, a vision. I mean, I, I trained in, in remote viewing, so I, you know, I can, I know how it how it works and the difference. So you're extending consciousness and a vision starts to appear in front of you, whether it's halfway around the world. And um, then you can take information from it. But he used the, the um, very good example of then they had perhaps drugs coming in on a container ship into a port. The remote viewer would be able to see the drugs in a container on the ship but they wouldn't be able to necessarily say which container it was, but a dowser would be able to say, yes, it's the third one from the, from the left on the second row going upwards from the port side on the, so you, you, the two together are actually extremely powerful. And this is why intelligence services, not only in America, but around the world use dowsing and use the, those two things in conjunction. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. I think one of the things you highlighted that I hadn't known previously is that, well, and you mentioned hypocrisy. Uh, I think in a lot of the Western nations, we had a bit of a church problem around. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe and, some of your research around the Catholic church and dousing there? You, you know, but it's not, it's, it's the same the world over. It's very interesting. Um, the, the Catholic church, I mean, for, for ages, they had Oh, it's the work of the devil, um, because in the catechism, the Catholic catechism, it actually says that that dowsing or forms of dowsing are something like witchcraft or divination. They're, they're of divination and there it's all forbidden. Um, but then you have some of the most famous dowsers that I mean, and the most accomplished 
that actually were not not just Catholics, but Catholic priests and, and Catholic clergy. And the most famous probably is the Bishop of Grenoble, who's, who was a water dowser and gave his name to um, what's called the Bishop's Rule. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a method of finding how deep water is underground, measuring it from the center of a water course. Um, but then you had people like Father Jean Jurion, um, who worked with it with health. Um, uh, Abbe Mame as well, but but my absolute favorite, the Abbe Alexis Bouli, I mean, he was an extraordinary man. He started out by, um, it, it, he was taught water dowsing, and then he went on to, um, the next thing he did, I think the next thing, he discovered that um, after the First World War, he could, he could actually allocate unexploded bombs underground, buried underground, and not only before they were dug up, not only that they were there, but also whose bombs they were, and you know whether whether they were German or or, or French or British. Um, and he worked for the French government doing this. And then after the war, he turned his hand to mineral dowsing and worked with the, uh, the French government's spent authorities finding uh, minerals like tin, I think, and silver. And then he went on to be a health dowser. I mean, he was an extraordinary and he was an, an abbe. And in fact, he was a friend of my husband's um, grandfather. And uh, extraordinary, um, extraordinary extraordinary man in every way to the point where the French actually awarded him the Légion d'Honneur for his services to France through dowsing. So you've wow. got this complete, you know, it's banned by the church and yet he's given the Légion d'Honneur. And I find this because I, I teach in the Middle East. I'm a, a, a tutor, a trainer, if you like, for the International Academy for Personal Development in Kuwait. And I get to meet, I travel around the Middle East and I get to meet people from many, many different countries. And I get I hear all the stories from the Bedouin and they all use dowsing. Um, they use dowsing to find camels. They use dowsing to find water. They use dowsing to site their beehives for optimal yield. They use dowsing to plant um, trees and shrubs for optimal growth. And um, and I, I find this totally fascinating. So I go out there and I teach. And last time I was there um, in one of the countries, uh, they slapped a fatwa on dowsing. Um, and um, they, the authorities threatened to close down the hotel where the workshop was taking place. So I wasn't allowed to do it. And I was fine. I was totally safe. It was, that was never an issue. Um, but it's a problem. And so now instead of visiting there, we do it by webinar mostly. Yeah. But, but here again is this long tradition of, of, of tribes, indigenous tribes, nomadic tribes, using dowsing for something as important as survival, finding water, um, growing food, etc. Um, and yet the authorities are sort of slapping it down, say, and, and the science they know it doesn't work, but yeah. obviously does. Yeah, yeah. The data <laughs> reveals. Yeah, the results Absolutely. are. Yeah, yeah. You actually also spoke about another very interesting man, Applegate, who. Uh, who oh, dear George. Yeah. Talk he about him. Talk about dear George. Dear George has died. He um he was ninety something. I think he was. Yes, he was still alive when I wrote the book because I interviewed him. And I mean, this is an, another uh, extra, probably the best water dowser on this side of the pond anyway. And he, he'd sunk at, at the time of interviewing three, 
think I think it was three and a half thousand wells with a ninety nine percent success rate. And, and, and he worked for, he works for utility companies, but also people like Madonna who wanted a well and, and the Prince of Wales who wanted water on his, you know, agricultural land and, and, and lots of luminaries and obviously at work because they wouldn't keep having him back. Um, but what was good about George is that he was also a trained um, water engineer and um, putting those two things together, expertise in your subject and training as a dowser um, is a very potent, a very, very potent combination. Mm -hmm. Well, and thank you for bringing that up because you mentioned in your book uh, something that uh, I've only learned through trial and error, but it was so nice to just see it named. If only I'd read it, you know, a couple decades ago, but you talk about how important it is to find your niche as a dowser. <laughs> some of the mistakes that we can make when yeah. we're trying to do trying to go for water and it turns out we're that's not really our jam <laughs> we're like way better with health something like that yeah it, what are your thoughts on it, that well i think it all came to <laughs> it all came to a head because of the dead dog um my dead dog story and um my editor, my editor wouldn't in the book wouldn't let me write all about this dead dog because she said I alienate all dog lovers anyway. I mean, I do happen to be a dog lover, but um, this woman lost her dog, and I did all this dowsing for her, and um, uh, and I, you know, I check, check, reach out. I'm I'm a very, very, very um, thorough, um, almost over the top, you know, to detail, check, 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 and recheck. Um, and I did, and and I, I my dowsing said the dog was close to death and it was lost and there was little hope and but I I, I was very careful and very diplomatic what I said to the owner but you know behind closed doors I'm going oh my god this dog is you know it's lost it's dead um, there's no chance and then and then she came back to me a few days later and said, the dog's found he's just run into the house and he's fine I mean he's a bit you know, but he's absolutely fine. And I thought, how did I get it so wrong? This and this, of course, is we learn from our best lessons from our, our worst tragedies. And and so I went to another well-loved dowser, uh, who again has has died in the meantime. Um, Hamish Miller, one of the best dowsers and the most humble dowsers ever. He wrote the most beautiful book that I would highly recommend to beginners called the wee book of dowsing and um and and hamish was 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 very um was very emphatic it was it was really about two things about this niche thing he said the more you he said most dowsers think that they can do anything but, but they, they may be able to he said but it's really unlikely and the more you focus on one thing the better you you get at it so that was the one that's one reason to for finding a niche and and I, I I'm really I really really support his words on this one. I mean I've been researching health now for 30, 36 years, and so I kind of know what I'm talking about in in the health field. But the other thing that Hamish said was that he believes that there is um, guidance from as he called upstairs to keep you on a particular path to guide you in the way you're supposed to be um, using your um, skills or gifts for humanity and he said and and upstairs will always keep you on the path you're meant to be on with this um, 
with 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 finding your niche and he was absolutely right i mean i I, and I'm glad because I dropped all the other forms of any sort of dowsing apart from health and the occasional um, personal guidance and advice for clients. But um, he's absolutely right. The more you focus on it, the more. And in fact, the words he used were you wouldn't go to a brain surgeon or to do your feet. He, he said you go to a specialist. And, and it's important to if you want to become professional to be a specialist at that one thing. Mm. So you work as a causative diagnostician and uh -huh. you identify the causative contributory and trigger factors behind a previously diagnosed disorder or set of symptoms that has no label or, or explanation. So that, I think I know what that means, but I'm curious. And I, and I was thinking about this specifically because I uh, mentioned this on another episode that I have had these allergies that have gone through all these different phases and I've done all the things, I have an organic bed, I, you know, I've done the elimination diets, all this kind of stuff. And for some reason in the last couple of years, just that nasal congestion stays. And I was thinking, oh, I could douse for what the, but what would that look like? If I came to you, what would a session be like if we were going to do some health, health dousing? Okay, um, so it's quite in depth. Um, because I'm working with all types of uh, metabolic, chronic metabolic disease. And so that's all the way from allergies, all the way through um, the rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, ME, CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome, right the way through to cancer. And cancer is what I specialize in. And so a, a consultation would look like, um, it's usually between two or three, three hours. Um, the first part is that I take a full history of the client. It's really, really important. Um, and you can't skip that part. You can't skimp on that part. Um, and, and, and it's quite in depth because I had to understand how that person ticks. And, and in fact, if I'm honest, while I'm taking that history, little light bulbs are going off in my head all the time. Um, the second part of the consultation is I take all my uh, set of health readings and they are in, in, again in depth because um, they tell a completely diff different story or they, they tell a deeper more profound story of what's going on. So I'm, I can measure any function or any organ or anything in the human body with dowsing. And are you using rods? Are you using a pendulum? Yes. Like what's yeah. your, okay. I, I, I use rods. Um, uh, because, uh, why? Because they're, for me, they're quicker, they're more responsive, mm -hmm. and um, they're more flexible in terms of what I want to do. The next section after the health readings, I then ask for the, the causative contributory and trigger factors, as you, as you correctly said, behind the, a, the condition, or I may be guided for something else because sometimes the condition isn't really what it's at. Mm -hmm. There may be something else that we're looking at. Um, for example, with your um, allergies and sinus things, the, I've already did, I did a very, very brief check, but um, it's actually you have compromised immune system. Now, what's causing that compromised immune system? That's what we would that that is what would come to come to light in in the body. Um, so, and it's a finite list. It's an absolute finite list. So, I would I I, I douse on 
the number first. So it might be six causative factors, two contributory factor, and one trigger factor, or oh, three wow. of each. That or is one. super fascinating. That's, yeah. so, I love so, this detail. That's <laughs> uh, so, so once you have the numbers, you know. So if there are five causative factors, you know you have to find the five causative factors. You're not sort of aimlessly dowsing along. Is there another one? Is there another one? No, let, we get the numbers done first, and then within that, five causative factors. Um, and then we, so I've identified then in each person, absolutely unique. They have, even if six women had breast cancer, their causative contributory and trigger factors would all be different, mm. completely different. Mm. There may be um, factors across breast cancer that are similar. And, and in fact, there are, but for these women, it may be something completely different. Um, and then um, I put together what I call the action list. And the action list is everything that needs to be done in order to return the body back to balance. And actually that's the only thing I'm allowed to claim officially because I'm not medically qualified. So um, back to balance is what I'm allowed. But on that list maybe, um, for example, practitioners either holistic or medical doctors, it may be lifestyle changes, it may be nutrition, it may be therapies, it may be one-to-one -one consulting session, it may be nutrition, um, it may be diet, it may be um, exercise, it may be a, a million different things. Um, and so um, again, that list is always going to be completely unique to that person and um, and what I do say to people if they choose to follow that list then I will support them if they choose to address everything on that list I will support them for six months which I do and um, take their health readings on a monthly basis uh, which I email to them I don't need to speak to them and this does two things it a um, it uh, gives me reassurance because the numbers should be going up. <laughs> it gives me reassurance that um, what I've suggested is in, in their best interest. If the numbers start going down, then alarm bells start ringing. It going, hasn't going down in terms of that, that number is about well -being. increasing. And, and if they're going up, that means that they're, 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 they're improving. Right. Um, going down is, is that there's something uh, going wrong. Um, and, the second thing it does for the client is that it gives them encouragement that they're heading in the right direction. Because when you go, when the body goes from say um, protective mode into healing mode and you can't be in both at the same time, there is a switch. Um, when the body first starts to heal, it starts at ground state level and people don't see that or necessarily feel that. So they may, for example, start absorbing nutrition or um, they may, um, um, and that's one of the first things to go, or the, um, what Bruce Lipton calls the IMP function, the integral membrane protein function. It's the passage of nutrients and waste products through the cell wall that might start to improve. Now, you're not going to consciously know that that's happening. But when people see the reading start to shift and going up, they think, wow, something's happening. This is great. Keep going, keep going. And I'm, and they'll, oh, they'll say to me, I don't feel any better. And I'm like, nope, but you wouldn't necessarily know this, but look at the readings. And, and that's a way of encouraging people to keep going when you make that turning point from protective mode into, into healing mode. I recently read uh, a study that was... Um theorizing that the placebo effect is actually the body's response to receiving care. 
And yes. so, so you're doing this reading and there are things that are imperceptible, especially for a person who obviously would come to you if they had some presenting, mm -hmm. you know, currently troubling issue. And mm -hmm. you're, you're providing care for the things they can't, can't <sighs> sense. And so it's sort of like, it amplifies the effect. And I think it's the feedback loop within the field, yes. I would imagine. Yes. That's a lovely way of pushing it. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm curious um, about your thoughts for beginners anyway on pendulum charts. Do you, you know, that's, I think, one that um, maybe beginners to dousing would pick up a pendulum and do a bunch of yes or no questions. Um, because you see pendulums in like new age stores everywhere. And then maybe the next level is charts. What, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, um, everyone has to start somewhere. It's a great way to start. Um, I, in fact, in the very beginning, I was taught with rods and I tried a pendulum, but it didn't really agree with me. Um, if, I, if I'm in a position where I can't use a pendulum, I'll use my arm instead. So um, I'll, I'll physically sort of bend over slightly to the right and let my arm swing free and then ask for a yes and no and my arm will, will act as a pendulum so that's what I use but otherwise I, I use rods. Um, yes and no questions are great to start practicing with however in real life there's a rarely anything that's black and white and yes and no everything is by degrees which is why I calibrate I don't do yes and no very often I calibrate um, Meaning, and like, to what degree is this true kind of absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Well, not necessarily true, but, um, for example, somebody might want to, they send me a list of 10 schools for their child and say, um, should he attend any of these schools? So what I do is calibrate each one on a scale of 1 to 10. So this is 7 out of 10, this is 9 out of 10, this is 3 out of 10. Oh, this is 10 out of 10. So they can pick the top three but it's never going to be just a yes or no. And if you had a yes and or no list anyway, that wouldn't necessarily be very helpful, but it gives you so much more information. I, I, I was never taught with charts. I never learned with charts, so I've never used charts. And people find this quite surprising, but even with the astonishing depth I go into with the causative diagnosis um, process, in fact, it surprises me now. Um, for many years, everything was in my head. I had nothing written down. Um, but until it became so overwhelming and I had so many clients, I had to start writing lists. So I do use lists in a way as prompts, but I don't use charts. I calibrate. So you'll find all the um, 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 organs or bodily functions or everything I'm measuring with the health readings, I will measure on a percentage basis and it keeps it easy uh, um, uh, across the board and it's easy to, to compare then. So everything is a percentage. So if it's um, immune system or general health or um, the health of the pancreas or the, um, the, the peristalsis function or the mitochondria or the uh, level of you know, health of the efficiency of the mitochondria or the, um, the gut microbiome or the oral microbiome, I put a percentage on everything. Yeah. And it also you can see when it start, starts also to, to improve. So I think charts are good for directing you in a way, but... Um, I've always firmly believed that dowsing is a portable skill 
and you might find yourself in the middle of nowhere with no charts and um, it's important for me that you can actually utilize the full dowsing process without anything else because if you were in an emergency situation or you know if we're in a holocaust or something you ain't gonna have no charts <laughs> it's just going to be you and and uh and uh that, that's a i was just thinking of a, a story to illustrate that when i i fell over in london and i'm really bad fall and i'm lying on the pavement and people are shouting there should be an ambulance and I, I don't know if I've broken my leg or not. And, and I said to my husband, can you just douse to see, because I'm lying flat on the floor, you know, I can't, and just see if I need an ambulance, if I've broken my leg, if I need further assistance. And it was kind of yes to all of it. And I go, oh no, oh no. But gut feeling didn't just feel right. And so eventually when they, they propped me up against a chair, I could use my arm to douse. And I got no to everything. <laughs> and, and, and that's a, a very good case of um, an example of um, uh, you should never douse when you're in an emotional state. And of course he was because he was so worried about me and what, what had happened. And in his fear, you shouldn't ever douse in a state of fear. Um, he got all the, his worst fears uh, confirmed with, with dowsing. Of course, it wasn't correct. I didn't have an ambulance. I did go home. I hadn't broken anything. Um, and I then I recovered fine, but um, um, yeah, I I feel that I, I I think that charts have a purpose. I think they're very useful, but I think then people can go on and use their own mm -hmm. style because it, there's there are really very few hard and fast rules in dowsing. Um, and everyone, it's a bit like when you learn to drive, you, you, to get through your test, you have to do everything properly and you do all the things you're supposed to do to get to the, and then 10 years later, <laughs> you're cutting corners and doing things you shouldn't do and everything. But I really believe that everyone then develops their own style. Oh, I don't do it that way. I do it this way. I don't, but it's fine. But they get, they, if, if you get the results, if you're getting to the truth, then that's, that's all that matters. You said you should never douse in a state of fear. And of course, I think many people grab their pendulum or they do a little dousing because something has come up and you know, there's some eruption and and they want to do that. Yeah. So I'm 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 curious about um, what what would you say to beginners about how to get into the right frame of mind and the right sort of somatic condition so that I, you're going to get an ideal or at least more accurate response when you're dousing. The one question I'm asked more than anything is whether um, you can influence the dowsing tool mm. let's call it the dowsing tool because the true dowsing instrument is the human body all the pendulum does or the rods do are amplify the minute micro muscular movements the idiomotor response is that what that is the not exactly okay. no not quite but it's just like but tiny little micromuscular movements that come the physical movements that come from the human body and the dowsing rods are actually amplifying that and the pendulum is amplifying that okay. you can actually override that response if you let the conscious mind which is very powerful with your fears and your expectations and your wishes override, um, they will drown out the natural subconscious response. 
So yes, you can. All you've got to do actually is hold a pendulum and say to it, move in a clockwise direction. Of course it will. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very easy to see that. And, and this really puts people off and they, you know, I, well, okay, well, it's not for me then. If you can, if you, how do I know it's true? How do I know it's true? How, how, how do I know it's a true answer? Well, um, the answer to that is really only experience um, and following certain guidelines. And one of them is do not douse when you're in an emotional state, when you're tired, when you're feeling unwell, um, because tiredness, you, you'll be, you'll, <laughs> your nervous system will be misfiring in a way. Mm. Um, but if you're asking a question like, does my boyfriend still love me? and you're really, really uptight about this, then you're going to get the answer you want, not the truth. And so what I say is you cannot have any vested interest in the answer. You can only have a vested interest in truth. And it's really about training yourself that all you want is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You're really there to... to um, to be in alignment with the universe, really, because if the universe is perfect, you know, we, we, we just need to be in alignment with that perfection. And so then you really want to be in alignment with truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you can't detach yourself, it's about detachment. If you can't detach yourself, if you can't stand back and say, whatever the answer is, I will accept it, um, whether he loves me or he doesn't love me, um, I will accept that truth. If you can't attach yourself to that level, um, then leave it for another occasion or give it to someone else to douse on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think. Well, I, I wonder about this too, because one of the things that's evolved with with uh, friends of mine that I, I know them to be quite good dousers. And so if I'm too charged about something, sometimes I, I just ask them blind questions. We'll even text, mm-hmm. I'll just text and say, I have a question in my heart. <laughs> Is it, you know, yes or no? And like, to what degree? And I've totally loved uh, just observing the results of this over the last five or six years. I have found it very useful. Is that because yeah. The, the three or four of us have our own field or do you think that's pretty common? Um, I do the same thing I use w- with my husband and um, we'll douse on something separately, which is a slightly different thing. But yes, I, I will say I'm holding something in mind. Do you get that to be true or, n- or non-true? True. Um, no, it's not necessarily just because you're connected, because I've been in workshop situations when I will hold the rods and a, a student who is totally unknown to me um, will ask a question and the rods will move in a direction or not. Mm. Uh, they've asked the question in their head. Um, I'm holding the rods and the rods with it. And in fact, when I work with clients, because my rods are programmed to respond to truth. Um, so if I'm sitting in, in you know, the south of France and I've got a client in New Zealand and I'll just hold the rods and they'll talk and, and they will respond to the truth or the not truth of what, those, what the client is saying. <laughs> and, and there's really no connection there with a, with a brand, brand new client. But yes, it's, I'm it's, laughing that you're doing that because I sometimes do that when I'm working online with clients, you know, and, and we won't have video on, but I'll just tap my pendulum there and I'm <laughs> just like, talk about this issue. And I just let them talk and the pendulum will swing in this. And when we start getting actually to the root of an issue, mm-hmm. I'll be like, mm-hmm, okay, say more about that. <laughs> so I love that you also are a little, 
not sneaky. I mean, if they're coming to you, they know you're doing that, but <laughs> that's a technique. Absolutely, because I will say, you know, uh, does this particular situation upset you or um, do you have strong feelings about it? And they'll go, no, no, I'm quite cool with it. And the rods will go, no, <laughs> no. And I, 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 no, I'd be totally upfront and say, well, to be honest, the rods are saying that there is an issue there. Let's explore what that might be. Um, so, so, yes, it's this invisible. I mean, we're all connected, aren't we? Uh, anyway. Mm -hmm. We're all connected. We're all part of one consciousness. I love it. It's Neil Donald Walsh, isn't it? So there is only one of us in this room. I love all that. So, so, <laughs> yeah. so that again, that's how dowsing works. You know, since at the risk of sounding like a stuck record, all these great spiritual teachers and some scientists, people like Amit Goswami, who is you know a, a quant another quantum theorist, but um, they're all roughly they're all saying the same thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're all they all illustrate or support that dowsing works and um, you also talk about uh, how really I mean I don't know if it's necessarily a precursor but uh, that some of the the wisdom amongst dowsers is there really does need to be a need <laughs> there has to be a legitimate need so mm. For folks that are kind of, a, I don't want to say obsessively, but but who are asking about kind of low grade stuff or constantly, or they're just like really on their rods or their tool because it's fascinating. What, what, what would you say about like, how do we discern when we have a real need and dousing is a, a, a good um, technique to use for that? I think anyone with a few brain cells would probably be able to discern what's a need and not. I mean, it's if I'm saying, you know, oh, what color is the prime minister's underpants? I mean, <laughs> you know, there's no need for me to know that. Um, but obviously, if I'm I'm working on healthcare, I, I'll give you I'll give you a, a, a brief story um, of a good example of this I worked with a woman with a child who had pernicious anemia I think it was this was quite some years ago and we identified all the causative factors and exactly what to do um, she was so thrilled uh, I was at her home I did a site visit and we talked all through and she had all the answers and just as I was leaving she said oh my husband's got a problem with with a skin condition um, and she said um, I'd like you to work with him but can we do it now we you know we can find out the cause of his skin condition and I said well I'll ask and the Ron said no um, and I said oh, well she, she said what do you mean they're saying no and I said well they're, they're saying no I can't help with that she said, but you just did my my son we've got all that and I said yes so your the son is we're working through you for the benefit of your son which is fine um, I mean Perhaps he was 18 months or something like that. Um, but we don't have your husband's permission to do this. So um, I can't do it. And she was actually quite um, rather upset about it. And, and that was fine. So I went home and um, I was curious about this. So I thought, I, I said, can, you know, can I ask about this? Can I get some background information? I was, yes, I can. And the skin condition primarily was a, as, a, as a result of a stress from a very uncomfortable situation he'd put himself in. And if that had been revealed to his wife, that would have been the end of their marriage. Mm. Now, 
you know, I was allowed to, to know that because it wasn't going to go any further and it would help towards my understanding. Um, but you can see when there's a need and not a need or when you have permission or when you don't have permission, then was, uh, it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. But, you know, there's a few stories in the book about people using, trying to use dowsing to win the lottery or, or to, trying to um, make money off the, the, the stock exchange and and I think you've probably read that and it went horribly wrong and um, there's no there was no need or it wasn't and I think it does come down to something like this we're talking about with dowsing it's actually it's I don't like the word but it's a spiritual practice it's spiritual it's a divine practice it's in line with the with with the universe with the flow of the universe and it should be used for the benefit of humankind mm. all, all life i mean animals obviously as well and so if that's an, an easy way to um delineate it do so if if it's for the benefit of humankind and that's quite quite easy to to work out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful way of putting it so the last question on the podcast is uh, is always the same, and it's about how you cope with really strong feelings. So we talked about fear, uh, but I always ask my guests how they cope with uh, grief and with rage. And when you're in those states and you can't be dousing, <laughs> trying to figure out what do I do, how do you personally process those kinds of emotions like grief and rage? And this is nothing to do with dousing. This is just about grief and rage um i don't this is going to sound really pretentious but <laughs> i don't actually feel i feel very little grief and rage about, about anything these days um and i had last year the ultimate test when my mother died um and um um which you would think as your mother, you know, that would be an instance to be, and I, and I, I didn't really feel grief. Um, I didn't cry. It's, um, uh, but then a, a double whammy because the family member organized the funeral on the day I couldn't get there. So I didn't go to my mother's own, own mother's funeral. And so you'd think that would be rage. And I, I think the way, because I, I tend to process things and uh, probably overanalyze, but analyze things to work out why this is happening. Why, if there's a lesson in it. Um, and I reason it out. Um, and in fact, when I thought it through, I realized, because I was the last one to spend time with my mother and we had, I had a gift of the last half an hour talking to her nobody knew they thought they got she got another four weeks at that point and she died in the early she died the next morning and so it was quite a shock to everyone um I had a, the gift of really the those last that last time with her I was really the last I was the last family member to, to speak to her and I thought well no do I need to go to the funeral actually I don't and I have closure because nothing would ever um, would ever come close to the that that gift that I was given on on the on her last few hours 
Um, but of course, with a funeral, you 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 hope that you're there for others and also to give support and 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 everything. But that was taken away from me, and and I know why. I think I know why now. You know, which I I won't go into. But I tend to process things, and I use the same analytical mind I I, I use for when I'm dowsing to look at personal circumstances, because we're I think we're here to learn, and if something is happening to you it's um a gift for you to grow and expand um the only thing i've got in a rage uh, i mean just inarticulately in a rage about recently as uh, geoengineering and chemtrails because they make it makes you feel so helpless i think um, and and it's the harm to the planet to Gaia, um, and um, that was that was difficult. That was really difficult. Um, but in that sort of case, it helps to understand there's always a bigger picture. Everything is a process. And if it's happening, it means that people haven't got to that point of knowledge or that turning point where they're going to get the impetus to do something about it. And we have to get this sort of information out there. When, 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 when there's enough people who are outraged, then things will start, start to change. And it's, I think it's going to actually get a lot worse before it gets better and more people sort of, um, you know, get off the, their bottoms on the sofa and say, we need to do something about this. So it's, it's a process. And, and now I can look at them with, with still with feeling, but with detachment. I have to be detached. It's my job. And if I'm dealing with, you know, six cancer patients in a week, I cannot in any way um, let my emotions get involved because I'm there to serve them, to help them. And uh, I have to remain detached. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And, you know, part of me, I, if, if we had a, a different theme, I'd be like, let's go into some of the occupational hazards of being a healer (laughs) 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 the things you need to do but but uh i think what i'll say instead to end is just thank you very much for your service thank you very much for uh educating us today and and sharing your gift It, it yes you've studied and yes you trained uh but some people have the touch and and not everybody does and you've developed it for the sake of others i really appreciate you sharing it elizabeth thanks for being on the show thank you and thank you so much it's been an honor and a pleasure and i've so much enjoyed meeting you who else was totally geeking out in that episode with me where are my people who were totally into dowsing oh so good i love her to find out more about Elizabeth's work, to find links to her website and her book, and also to the many other resources she so generously mentioned in this episode, you can find all the show notes under the podcast tab on my website, carmenspaniola.com. That is also where you can find out more about the Numinous School of Intuition. Just click on the courses link in the upper navigation. So yes, the Numinous School opens for registration on June 1st, but if you'd like a payment plan, you'll need to be on my email list in March because March is when the payment plans begin. You know, people contact me 
all the time worried that they're going to uh, miss the registration date. That's the number one worry. The second one is that they won't be able to afford it. So I'll just let you know, it's $495 US. And if you want a payment plan, that's totally no problem. There's no extra charge or admin fee for that, but you just have to start the payment plan in March. So get on my newsletter to do that. Today, I would like to thank my listeners in Virginia, which was where Elizabeth uh, did her first training in dowsing. My son Enzo actually, even before knowing that I had done this uh, uh, interview with Elizabeth or that she mentioned that, he said, you should thank your listeners in West Virginia. And I don't know why he said that, but I like to think that he's uh, tuned into the larger field we were talking about earlier. So thanks everyone in West Virginia. Thank you, all the folks in the Blue Ridge Mountains, all those who are listening. I know there are some because I see the little dots on the map uh, when I look at my stats every once in a while. Thank you for spending time with us. I hope it was um, exciting for you. And uh, I'm sure there was you know, so much that uh, those of us who live near to uh, uh, a lineage of, of dousing, you know, whether it's water dousing or mineral dousing, you know, there are places where you know, that is still so active. There's still, I mean, I had a water witch just up the block from me and, and yeah, I'm sure there are so many good stories. I, I, I bet if I went on Instagram and started following dowsers, I'd be able to find some really interesting people and characters. Anyway, let's just finish by talking about Quest. Yes, Ruben and I are leading Quest this year from June 24th to July 6th. It's a 12-day journey. In the middle of it, you'll spend four days on your own on the mountain with uh, water but no food. You'll be fasting and no tent, but you will have a sleeping bag. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely an intense rite of passage, but if you would like to learn more about it, just go to my website, just click on the quest tab. Um, you'll definitely receive an excellent training. So don't worry about that. Your body and your soul are safe with us. You'll gather with us and Elder Norman Ratasket of Shoe Swap Nation and rancher Charlie Coldwell, who's uh, been 125 years, his family has been on his land and his beautiful herd of horses. You'll sit down with us for many meals and fireside chats. We'll sing some, I'll sing you some old Gaelic, old Gaelic songs. Uh, people often say to me, don't you mean Gaelic? It's Gaelic if it's Irish. It's Gaelic if it's Scottish. Anyway, I'll sing you songs about the moon and your soul and finding our way back to each other in this crazy world. So make it easy on yourself and start your payment plan now. And if this isn't your year for Quest, but you'd like a taste of the experience for a fraction of the time and expense, you might consider coming to Vestalia, a women's summer solstice celebration that's also happening at our Quest location from June 20th to 23rd. You'll still get to meet Elder Norman, total character, lovely man, and we'll be feasting and storytelling, doing lots of making and ritual. You'll have a chance to do your own mini solo ritual as you take your turn tending the sacred fire sometime in the middle of the night on your own keeping the flames alive for the rest of us, just you and the fire and the stars and the coyotes and probably my dog Mona, just to keep you company. You'll keep those flames alive until our summer 
sunrise solstice ceremony on the hill facing the mountains. Get all the details about Vestalia and Quest and the Numinous School and of course Elizabeth's links to her websites as well at carmenspaniola.com C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A Until next time, take care.